We're back again to talk uh, this time about why is church essential. And uh, I'm Dwayne Klein, lead pastor of James North Baptist Church, joined here by our elders, uh, Dave Huska and Ermitima, Tim Laws, and our associate pastor, Paul Havacroft. And I think it's important for those of you that are listening from James North to know that as we've had these conversations about COVID-19, about protocols, about church being essential, that these have been very robust conversations behind the scenes. That even between two podcasts now, because we've been reporting them back to back, we had a robust conversation. And so these have been important conversations to us. We've had extra meetings. We have taken this incredibly seriously, have been writing, our government have been thinking, have been talking. And so this is for you to hear a little bit of what's been going on behind the scenes and how we've been discussing things. And so as we talk about why is church essential, the first question we want to launch into is, how does God define church? How does he define it? Yeah, I'll jump in with that to start. I think it's important to know whether it's the capital C church we're talking about or the lower C church. And when I say that, I mean capital C church would be the global church gathered, all Christians everywhere, whereas the lower C church is each individual local church. So whether that is us here at James North Baptist Church or the local churches kind of around us. And differentiating and knowing that we are the expression as a local church of the global church altogether, it's important to know that we are a critical part of God's work in every person's life as a believer. The church is a critical element. Mm -hmm. And whether that is kind of a shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament, where the dwelling place of God um, was in the temple, but is no longer in that physical building because we are as God's people and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. So we don't ever want to think the church is, um, is just the building. It's, we need to have a place where we gather as a church, but we as the people are the church. So that's how I would define the church. Anyone add something to that? Yeah, I mean, I would maybe just say like, the church is the family mm. of God. And I think, you know, all throughout the whole Bible, you hear, you know, Abraham was going to have as many offspring, sons and daughters, as there are grains of sand on the seashore. And that would make up the family of God. And, of course, all through, you know, Jesus comes onto the scene and, you know, he tells us to refer to God, you know, instead of sort of seeing him institutionally like God and, and your sort of servants, uh, you know, Jesus says, no, I want you to t call him dad. Uh, and... And, and so you have church as family. Well, that's good. Others, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, when I'm thinking of, like, what is the church, like, I'm also thinking, like, what is the purpose, right? And, like, as a church, like, we're meant to worship God. We're meant to be exhorted by God's word. And, um, yeah, and to celebrate, like, communion and baptism, right? And celebrate the ordinances. Well, I think that is what we... Uh, you caught me off guard. <laughs> no, I, I was just thinking the whole thing of the kingdom, you know, that we're the expression of the kingdom here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, there's so many different pictures of church. It's family. It's a building. We're being built up. It's the dwelling place of God. It's the visual expression of God here on earth. So, I mean, there's just a lot of pictures, but it's, it's all about people. It is not building. So. No, that's good. Acts 2 reminds us, verse 42, that they devoted themselves the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe uh, at the many wonders and the signs that they were performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their properties, their possessions. They gave to anyone that was in need. They met together every day in the temple courts uh, and they gathered in their homes and they ate together and they broke bread um, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and um, having the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily uh, those that were being saved. And so there's a quick synopsis in the New Testament of a bit of what church looks like. So why is church essential? Why is church gathered essential? Yeah, when I thought about that question, like there was five things that came to mind for me. Um, the first was that sin is deceitful, right? Like Hebrews 3, 13 says, you know, do not be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. And I think in isolation, it is really easy to be deceived by sin, right? You're lacking accountability, you're lacking encouragement in your faith, not necessarily hearing the gospel proclaimed, so it's a lot easier to be deceived by sin. Uh, the second thing I thought of is we have a real enemy in Satan. Right? First Peter 5, 8 says that he's a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And it's a lot easier to devour someone who's separate from the flock than someone who's with the flock. Uh, my third thought was, uh, very similarly, we have a real savior. And we're commanded to worship him and to gather. Right? So that's Hebrews 10. Um, another thing that, that came to my mind is um, it's it is one of our most powerful apologetics, right, is to gather players. Jesus, like the night before he's crucified, is telling disciples, the world will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And so we need to gather to show the world that we love one another, that we follow Jesus, and so that can be an observed apologetic. And then the last thing I thought of was, it's also like one of the real places that we get to carry the one another's of scripture, right? So we can actually exercise our gifts, we can be you know, part of the body of Christ, that we can, you know, love one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, and fulfill all of the one another's of scripture. Yeah, and the um, Colossians 3.16 says, as you sing to one another, it's very hard when I'm alone with my family in my living room to swing, sing to, I can sing to my wife and kids, but I can't sing to Dwayne or Paul or Tim or anyone else, right? So to fulfill that aspect of church, I think that's even something personally that I have missed and now, especially just this last week, to be able to gather again, singing corporately, praise to God, has, is something special that has not just been a New Testament era thing. That's something that people, the, uh, God's kingdom throughout um, ages past have been a singing uh, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, in the last podcast, we just mentioned uh, briefly, I think you mentioned the church in China and you know, their willingness, eagerness even uh, to meet, you know, even for, you know, threat of death or imprisonment. And, and you got to ask the question, like, what is it in their gathering? Like, what is going on there that would cause them to risk death to gather? Clearly, they put an extremely high uh, value in the gathering of the saints. And, uh, you know, so that's one observation. The second observation would be for us to ask, like, man, what are we missing out on? Because, <laughs> like, if they're willing to do that, um, yeah, they, they, they place a real high value in their gathering and in the church. <clears throat> and I, I'd add on to that, too. It doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament that we have to gather as a people of 100 or 200 or 300 or 400. Mm -hmm. And so... 
figuring out what does it mean to encourage one another as community group or as a covenant group or in porch hangouts or mm-hmm. Zoom calls or things like that throughout the week, prayer meetings or text back, like th- that type of, the church is not just the Sunday morning gathering. Mm-hmm. The church is a lot more than just that. Mm-hmm. So let me segue into that because that's our next question. But as we do that, when Tim was talking, I was reminded of an illustration I heard years ago. Um, speaker was talking about, you know, when a fire is burning basically out of a, out of a, out of a great group of coals and the coals are just cinder hot, they're just burning. And you know, those coals will continue to burn for a long time. But if you take one of those coals out and you place it, you know, 10 feet away from the fire safely, and you watch that one coal burn and you watch the other 50 coals burn, those 50 coals will burn much longer than that one coal. That one coal will soon be extinguished because there is something about how God has wired us that we are needing each other. He's, he's, he's called us um, to a oneness, a unity, and, and he wants us to interact with each other. That's why together we're called the body of Christ. Um, and we're all, we all different functions, but we're all part of the same, it's the same body and what that looks like. So to that question then, d- does the church have to gather or are we actually disobeying God if we don't meet as a group together on Sunday morning? I mean, what does, what does gather actually mean? Yeah, the short answer is yes, we're sinning. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't think that. Because what about when there's a snowstorm? <laughs> uh, no, I would, say, I would say to Dave's point earlier, just a, a minute ago, like, well, first of all, I, I, I would maybe rephrase the question, like, is the church not gathered even the church? Like, how important it is, is, is it for the church to gather? And are we the church if we're uh, that isolated coal? Just a whole bunch of isolated coals. Is that the church? I would argue, no. Paul, you look like you have something to say. Well, I, I think we're into the whole problem here. Let's start defining what isolated means yeah. and taking a coal out. If you take a coal out, I think the Hebrews passage is, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. People chose to get isolated. They took themselves out of the gathering. The command there isn't the command to gather. The mm-hmm. command is don't forsake the gathering. Mm-hmm. So the sin is my choice to not be part of the body. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to define, yeah, what is gathered? What is isolated? Because, I mean, there's a whole lot of things we can do. Numbers. You know, are you gathered if you got 50? Are you gathered only if you get 100? Or if our church is identified as 250, are we only gathered if we get 250? Like, there's a whole lot of layers there. I mean, where two or three are gathered in the name of Christ, there he is in the midst of them. That's a gathering. Yeah, I would say. Right? So, I I, like, I'm not, I... Corporate gatherings, singing, worship, all of those things are there. But we're in a period of time where we've got to identify how do we gather, what does it mean for us to gather, and that's what we're wrestling with. And one thing I would add in, too, is I think that the church requires a lot of things. Tim mentioned it, kind of uh, communion, Lord's Supper, baptism, leadership, um, church discipline, membership, all of these things. And so I don't think... I would ever want to go to an extreme that says this small group or this group that just kind of meets in Starbucks when COVID's over. That's, I wouldn't call that church because it doesn't have some of the elements that are integral parts of an actual local church. I think there are key ingredients we need to, for that. But the gathering is, is a big question. Like how do we... Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, How have we been able to do that? That's some of the questions we've been wrestling with the past 12 yeah. months. And I, I think to your point and to Paul's point, like there's a lot of ways that we as the church can think through gathering. 
gathering doesn't have to mean the whole church every Sunday, but it does, you do need to gather. Like, I think we, you cannot forsake gathering for whatever reason. Like, you have to find ways to gather. And I think, you know, there's times where we might not be able to meet on a Sunday uh, altogether. Um, but, but I think it's incredibly stifling for the church uh, and so dangerous uh, for us as individual Christians uh, if we're not regularly meeting together mm-hmm. and serving and loving one another. I read this quote recently <clears throat> that said, online church is a concession to unavoidable circumstances. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Going like, this, is not, this <laughs> is not our ideal, right. is to do it online. Right? It is a concession to circumstances. Yeah, and I think I would add in that I've thought this question, do I think or do we think that it's a sin for those who don't come back to worship with us in person and are just staying online. I'd say, no, I don't think that's a sin because I think people have different health requirements. They're looking after different individuals in their family who may be vulnerable. But a different question I would ask is, do I think that it's best, if possible, for all of us to gather together as a church? Yes. And then the question is, what does that gathering look like? Does it have to be coming here on Sunday morning? Well, and I would say that as, as this is occurring, and people are choosing at times to stay online for various circumstances in their life and others are gathering, then if you're unable to gather with others um, personally that way, how are you going to do it, yeah. right? What, do, what does a, a Zoom call look like that week with a group? What does some FaceTime with people look like? What does some type of gathering, even virtually that week, it, you shouldn't be satisfied with just watching on a Sunday morning a group. There, there should be some personal interaction with people, even if it's remote personally for a season. But I agree with what Andrew was saying earlier around, you know, we need to be careful for how long the season is for, for any of this. Because even though I don't like to talk about church as much that way, I like to talk about, because I think we are the church, and where two or three of us are gathered, we're the church gathered. But I do like to think about these local congregations that God has granted us in, right? And so we have, we call it James North Baptist Church, and we're a local congregation gathered like that. And what does it look like for us to gather and how we call people to that, I think is, I think is important. Um, but I'm going to segue into, into the fourth question then, is, is, is right now we are able to gather. It's at 30%, but we are able to gather. And though there's been a long season of restrictions and protocols and lockdowns, like, well, how do we encourage people to re-engage as the church is allowed to gather again? Like, what should that re-engagement look like for people? I, I'll just jump in. I think as we, we do that, like we're, we're still following rules. We're kind of making it safe for those that are fearful about the COVID. But we're, we're also saying we are gathering. We're going we're gonna to put as many chairs up as we can accommodate. You know, we're going to have 160 in a service. We're inviting those folks to come into that. For people to re-engage in that, at some point it's to ask themselves that question. Yeah, how where is my fellowship coming from? Where is my interaction with other people coming from? And we would encourage, you know, in the building here is a great opportunity to let that happen because it, it is a lot easier to actually see somebody and have a conversation than planning a Zoom call. And, but if you're not planning the Zoom call, if you're not ready yet to, to kind of re-engage for, and everybody has a whole lot of different reasons why not at this particular moment, that you know there are other ways it is mostly virtually 
You know, you got to pick up the phone, you got to pick up the computer, you need to engage in some of the groups that we offer, or the prayer times, but it is to be a whole lot more intentional just about your own spiritual health and dynamic to say, yeah, I need to, to reinitiate and get back in. But as, as a church, we're first of all saying, if we can be open, let's be open, mm-hmm. right? And and, I, I like the examples I've heard from mm-hmm. Paul and Dwayne sometimes of you saying people have come by even during the middle of the week and just popped in and said hello here at the office. That's a great opportunity. We can pray with people in, the, in that way. If someone yeah, wants to join the various community groups that we're offering throughout the weeks, those are other opportunities to jump in and get involved. And even doing walks or um, I liked in the summertime when some people were just saying, hey, we can have 10 people in our backyard to watch the service together and be together. Let's, mm-hmm. let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a cool um, initiative mm-hmm. we had last summer. And I think we need to be, be mindful as we kind of are, are moving um, you know, into this that some people have become very comfortable at home. And not just from James or some of you are connected to people in other churches who become very comfortable. Uh, at home and are like, man, it's nice. I'm in my pajamas, I'm drinking my coffee, you know, the kids around me. And, and I think it's important for us to be going, okay, we've had to have a season of this, but actually this isn't nice. And, and some of that reminder can come through thinking through, so how important does God say gathering is? Well, basically from the book of Acts through to Revelation, with the exception of a couple of books um, like Philemon, um, the whole of that portion of the New Testament is written to the local churches. And so God then considers local church really important. It's either written to local churches or to local church leaders. And so I would say that that means start to read through. If you want a good idea of why this is so important, just go to something like Bible Gateway and Google one another, the one another's of scripture. And they'll all come up and just begin to read them and meditate them on them and say, okay, how am I going to engage in these one another's? What would this look like? I I would also add to that, too, the importance of spiritual gifts. You get into Corinthians. Spiritual gifts are others-focused. Like, it's not, Mm -hmm. gifts aren't about me. Gifts are given for the building of the body of Christ. Well, you can't do that if you're not going to engage. So you won't ever know the joy or the the realization of God working your gifts out through you because you're alone, right? So Mm -hmm. being together is, like, it is essential. It is important for us. It is the expression of Christ through me by his spirit. I mean, similarly to like what Paul said, going like spiritual gifts are expressed in person, like it's the primary place that the fruit of the spirit is also displayed in person, right? And so, yeah, like it, it's absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, just going back to sort of my overly simple definition of church as family, like, I, I don't think anyone would argue that family is essential. And the more we actually reflect family as a church and, and be uh, the family of God, I think the more we're going to realize just how essential uh, we as a church are to one another. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to take a moment here and pray for us, but as I close off, just a couple of thoughts is, as we've seen now coming out of this, all the increased struggle with mental health due to the isolation, it just shows us how God has wired us. Mm-hmm. And God has wired us for community. God has wired us for each other. And so we would encourage you as, as best you're able to, to join us here live midweek, um, in person, um, on Sundays. We'd also encourage you that if you're unable to do that in the larger group, for whatever reason it may be, 
um, to contact us. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to be in touch with you. We'd love to talk to you. Come into the office for a smaller gathering. We've had some people just do that and occasionally, literally, some of our office stuff and just heard people and we just walk over and encourage them and talk to them. Um, and, and if you're really struggling in this area of re-engagement, call one of our elders or pastoral staff because we would love to support you in that and walk with you. But it's been a joy to be able to do this. I hope this gives you some insight into some of the great conversation and at times banter that goes back and forth between us. And I'm going to pray for us as we close off. We're thankful that you are our God. And we're thankful that because of the blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can be your children, your family, his bride. We're thankful that that is true because of the cross and his shed blood and accomplished work. And we're thankful that we get to have these conversations. God, through this season, we ask that you'd be with each of us as you have wired us for community. And so may we be able to gather together in person, in larger groups, sooner than later, safely, so that, God, we can celebrate who you are, encourage each other in the faith, and God, in the moments right now as we're able to do this in a limited capacity, may you cause us to engage in that. And if some of us right now um, need to take some steps toward that, may you grant us what those steps are. And if others of us are able to jump in, may God, may we jump in in the ways that we're able to. Guide us continually as a church. God, we don't want to do what we want to do. We want to do what you're calling us to do. And so we ask this in the powerful resurrected name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.